0: So we make use of the, um, some of these <clears throat> teachings, structures, of the Buddha, and, uh, important one, I feel, is Sankara, um, this is the active one, the one that's got like electric charge, runs out from the mind, and, uh. This is a thing that like runs through everything and lights everything up, flashes everything, keeps it going. Um, so it brings pre- feeling, stimulates feeling, stimulates perceptions. Sometimes the stimulation is so locked, so reflexive, so much a habit that we don't think we have any say over it at all in it. You know, so we feel that it actually the world actually is this and there's no way out mm. But so the teaching of the Buddha is so important when it has some reasonable act of faith to at least see if there's any way of, of loosening up this texture of feeling body memories and moods and uh um, sundry sankharas or sundry impulses and energies Saying, well basically if you get to the current of that you can moderate the current, you can turn the charge down you can alter the current, you can light up different things and maybe you could even possibly switch the current off or a current could go off. That's called the asankata, the non-sankara, when it's not running, when the consciousness is freed from sankara. So this is a kind of a thing to just take on board, and we start to, you know, practice with that. <coughs> sankara means this current, this charge, but it also, which is it also, is inv- uh, involved with. Um, structures that sets up attention which means our, our focus is motivated what we focus on yeah. we think things grab our attention actually our attention grabs things our attention is, t- is stimulated or and it grabs a particular thing it's looking for something it's irritable so it grabs irritating things it's hungry, so it grabs appetizing things. Or it's um, compassionate, so it grabs hold of uh, the vulnerability of beings. Witnesses that, sees that. Or it's loving, whereas it looks at the goodness in beings and the the need of beings have for nourishment. It does. It works on that. And so our attention is programmed. So you know. When you see somebody coming out of a car crash, you don't look at how intelligent they are or what clothes they're wearing or whether they're big or small or handsome or not handsome. You look at, you know, this is a broken being, let's fix it. <laughs> you know, that's the way you see it. Your attention is driven in that particular way. So what, do we, what is it that motivates our attention? You know, and so that we recognise there are kind of uh, you know default programs that we have, and there's ones we can deliberately induce mm-hmm. so the programs we default programs is tanha, or thirst to thirst in fundamentally two forms for food something to feed upon. So, you know, obvious physical food, but also, you know, something to put in one's mind, something to stimulate, be filled with. And security, or something to be that will be solid, some state of being, which often is one of the things that occurs in our relationships. We want to feel we've got a solid relationship, we know who we are with other people, we know our position, we have a job. We have a future. We can plan. We've got, you know, got some sense of solid dimensions. Mm. And these fundamental kind of cravings, or karma tan bhava tanha or vibava-tanha, is the craving to just get out of it all. To not be, to not be the particular thing that's happening. To not be with the particular thing that's happening. Uh, so these are the kind of ones that kick in. When you deliberately induce other sankharas such as patience and uh, resolution and compassion and uh, renunciation, mm-hmm. self-respect. You know, deliberately finding ways in which those, uh, we acknowledge these, we start to activate those what gives you self-respect and it isn't really whether other people respect you, it's whether you respect yourself, whether you value your own morality, your own aspirations, your own intentions. If you, you know, if we try to get self-respect from other people, it's a risky business. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But you do need self-respect. Mm-hmm. And there's particular things that we recollect to bring that around. So these are ways in which you start to change the programs run through. Then food, calming the mind, find the quality of calm uh, is a satisfying sense, or joyfulness, or... Kindness and compassion is a satisfying food for the heart. Clarity, you know, more satisfying than the, than the kind of hit and miss burst of sense pleasures. You know, this is not moralising, it's actually working it out for oneself as to where one's best food is. The most reliable sources of it. And all this, it's really you're training the sankara, you're training intention, you're training attention, what you attend to. So in any situation, you can attend to, you know, what am I putting into this? Am I bearing bear it? Am I being patient with it? Am I letting go of hindrances with it? Am I respect? you know, developing self-respect within it, valuing that integrity? not losing oneself in a situation. This is all um, mind cultivation. Really, you know, samadhi is is one aspect of that, mind cultivation, but it's a much broader topic, wise consideration, discernment, Handling the Sankaras of the mind. Contact is another aspect of Sankara. What we contact, what contacts us. Again, we may think this is a rather random thing. It <clears throat> just happens. Not so. <clears throat> you know, if you, in this room full of people, in, a, in half an hour's time you ask what I'd said, Probably get five or six different versions of it. The ears, same. Hearing, same. What happened to contact? Watching a film, watching a movie, you know, absorbed in the television screen, video screen, whatever it is, what happened to the sensations in your feet? Did you have no feet? No, they, you just, there's no contact because your mind wasn't, your attention wasn't there. Mm. something, so it's contact itself is not a, an external thing but something that's personally or intimately determined, often not through one's wishes but through one's inclinations so you, but in meditation you start to determine contact and determine attention Contact is also what we make of things, having heard something, having seen something, having felt something, what we make out of it, so it 's the internal storing of that as useful, useless, inspiring, dull mm. Mm-hmm. And around that, you can get this, this sense of this this sankharas attention intention contact. Then, uh, with the the when the f- charge of craving is there, you get what is called proliferation or papancha, which means you know we either get excited and spin out on things, or we get excited and and build up negativity around things. Uh, and in that you get kind of global views it's always like this, I never get that this is fantastic, This is he's great, she's wonderful you know, that kind of thing it's papancha we're trying to solidify something that isn't solid we're trying to eternalize something that isn't eternal so we make scenarios of everybody's like this or the world's always like that or I am never this, or I am always this, or she's this, or he's that, for good or for bad. And you globalize. This is called proliferation. And at the end result of that is uh, is the sense of, it hardens one's opinionatedness or conceit. You know, this is my view, this is correct, she is, he isn't. They are, we are, I am, it's not, you know, We we fix on that. This stubborn. And so this so then this is how the craving turns into the stubbornness of clinging. It hardens up. We form these hardened perceptions of ourselves, practice, Buddha Dharma, Sangha, Vinya people, you name it. For pancha. So that's you know, something that happens for us. So, no, one of the qualities of the Buddha, of a Tathagata, is they do not do this. But it is a, it is an Arahant quality. <laughs> so the rest of us are doing it to some extent or another and just starting to soften the hardness of where we've clung and recognize that, oh, well, you know, we can let that go. So there's that sense of. Uh, beginning to at least get some dispassion towards these objects that that, that asankaras have brought into our experience, this papancha process, this proliferation process. Mm -hmm. Because you can feel it for what it is. You can feel the, the charge, the rush, the hardening, the limitations, the feeling trapped by it, being stuck. Or we can feel just this out-of-control charge of, of of the mind, which was harsh or dreamy, drifting off. geez, you know? Trying to... So we start to get some sense of acknowledgement of of tanha and uh, stepping back from its finality from its conclusions from its uh, projections back to here we are you know here we are we can feel this we can sense this but we can be present with this we don't have to tip into it And that's a uh, you know you might say that's <coughs> that's the vantage point that one look uh, requires through cultivation. You can recognize that you don't have to tip over into the whole roller coaster of it. So then that charge is not continually illuminating everything So the view of uh, calm and insight is uh, <clears throat> you know, feeling the quality of present moment calm, present moment stability, and uh, you know, sensing that, where one feels stable, where one feels collected, when one feels a sense of comfort with oneself. That's the that calming And from there we have a perspective. We get a view, ability to witness, see, notice, step back, not tip over into the torrent, the flood. This is basically mindfulness. The Buddha called it the flood stopper. It means we don't go over into the flood. It says with this you can stop the floods. And, uh, you know, one theme of the teaching is if we just don't fall into the floods, then that itself starts to dry them up, because they only keep flooding through one's energies rushing down those channels. If your energy doesn't go there in the same way, if your interest doesn't go there, if your appetite and reflexes don't go there, then they start to dry up. So this is the kind of, you might say the long term, view just the sense of refraining, restraining and not not going down those channels starting to see the 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 unnecessary and the unsatisfactory feelings, senses with this uh, papancha, this proliferation then there's, there's painful feeling same as there was before, pleasant feeling, distressing perceptions, but we don't have to flood into them. This is not a way of <coughs> ignoring the world, um, but it is a way of of finding a vantage point. It's like if you just uh, hold it too hard, you go you just fall into it, so there's a sense of being able to step back, the neighbor's one to choose which particular piece do you want to work with you know when you come you know from your meditation which particular piece do you find you can want to take on and that's your life offering your blessing on a condition level uh, you know, but meditation we just really develop this sense of being able to step back from the torrent the, the current of it sometimes it's kind of um you know negative sometimes it's positive that's its ego it's uh, or it's dreamy you know what well, mindfulness uh, begins to give us the opportunity for is to have a if you like a place or a point in relationship to mental phenomena that is not not negating them or affirming them it's just stepping back you're you're putting energy into a place of of Mm. non-involvement bearing something in mind helps to pull you out of the flood Bearing a breath in mind, bearing the present moment in mind, bearing the body in mind, breathing, you know. <clears throat> so, uh, you yeah. And this is the, uh, mindfulness is the initiator of what's called the seven enlightenment factors. It's also a very powerful. It's always powerful, powerfully configured in these lists, lists of things: the indriyas and the faculties, and eightfold path. And then it's an instigator of. It's a cardinal factor, the opener for these processes called the enlightenment factors, which you can start to witness. And why mindfulness is necessary is because, you know, the enlightenment factors or the supportive factors are, are don't come from the same place as the flood. So when you're engrossed in the floods of thoughts and feelings, you know I haven't got any single enlightenment factor going whatsoever. You know, I can't see it because you're really looking in the wrong place. <coughs> you know. And in a way, at that particular moment, it may be true. It may be, but then if you keep, you start to bring your attention back to how you hold phenomena, then you can recognize, oh, that's, there's mindfulness. There's that, and it's, you know, it's it's a, you know, it's it's a hair's breadth away from the phenomena. It's not that far away, but it's just like a shift of inclination, whereby. This is the quality of, of detachment, which means for a moment you put that current to figure out, to get to the end of, to acquire, to eliminate, to become something. You just put that on hold, and step back, witness. And then you start to recognize, oh, this is other quality, which is kind of in another dimension from the normal karmic current. You know, you have a karmic current which carries all your old phenomenal energies and perceptions and obsessions and so forth. And then you have this other kind of more transcendent realm where, you know, the same stuff in a way is going on, but you're, you're not in it and you can be aware of this sense of mindfulness, which is like an inner strength or an inner poise or an inner balance it's not that far away you know, what happened was it just a change of appetite a change of inclination an act of faith sometimes to say well who am I where is all this happening <clears throat> And you can start to then um, from that place you start to sense other aspects of the we might say the transcendent level of mind or the enlightenment level, or enlightening level, these are not unconditioned but they are the realm that leads the unconditioned, Is are called, the, generating these enlightenment factors is called, or referring to and um, bringing one's energy into these enlightenment factors is called the karma that leads to the end of karma, it's definitely an action, you incline. You intend, you attend, so there's some kind of sankara is operating there to to shift. Mm-hmm. But you you turn towards a realm which is about is emptying, is about dispassion, is about coming out of personal karma. Mm -hmm. so the next enlightenment factor is um, investigation which again is kind of stands on the edge doesn't it in that there's still these phenomena going on but instead of just thrashing around in them you say what's that what's the source of that what's that feel like where does that come from so you're handling it very much from a position of not self and uh, energy, persistence that sense of you know, once you start to get these two factors going then actually your your practice acquires a lot of of energy on a transcendent level it's not, it's about really getting interested in how you can step back how you can explore, how you can be with your phenomena, in a different way. You get a sense of of real interest and energy to do that. Because this energy isn't bound up with getting a hit of some kind. It's the energy which is about aspiration, inquiry, investigation, penetration. Mm. So then the very substance of your karma is a uh, a kind of continual something that continues, pulls you in, like, look at this, look at this, you know, whether you're high or low, good or bad, defiled or undefiled. What's this about? What's the meaning of this? How does this one work? This is very, so these two are very important, because they start to um, unravel the complexities of the Papancha process, where one one's mind is kind of generated a, a very dense weave of what i am my personal history and my life story and the scenario i'm in which is you know it's as complicated as complex as one mind can can make it you know we can etch in many 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 details perceptions feelings stories half stories film clips sound bites um, issues things like this and, and then you know something quite solid comes up and you know you could spend lifetimes really looking at each bit of that and trying to figure out is this true or is it not true is it just my opinion or did he really say that or was she there or was I just looking the wrong way you know but what do you do with investigation investigative process you say well what's this what's the basic quality of the energy that builds this world Okay. So, Frustration or, or, you know, aspiration. You can kind of, you know, you can bring it down to one particular emotional current or one or two emotional currents. Worry. Uncertainty. Mm. Um, wanting to do something, wanting to do something good, aspiration. So, okay. Then it's skillful or unskillful. You feel the current of that. And then once you can sense that, then you can begin to consider, well, you know, if it's unskillful, then maybe some of those... Correct, incorrect, those stories, could be, could be, but all I know right now is that there's an unskillful current running in my mind that isn't doing me any good. You know, it's irritation, frustration, worry, doubt, negativity. Can I sense that, breathe in and out through that, soften through that, widen that, you know, change you know, recognize this is not for my welfare, not for other people's welfare, it doesn't lead to Nibbana. You know, you start to contemplate, inquire, investigate with it. And uh, this leads to a sense of calm, tranquility, you soften, soothe the energies of uh, that run through the, uh, the world. If it's good, aspiration, eagerness to serve or make things happen, you contemplate that. Think, well, could you just rest in that beautiful quality right now rather than have to have it spin out into many, many things? Just feel the goodness of it. Rest in that. You know? Recognize, you know, things will happen. You know, don't, don't worry about it. And almost certainly, at least in my, my mind... which does have aspiration as well as you know, negativities proliferations generally I say just take your time you know I always rush too fast to to do these wonderful things and end up overdoing it or bodging it up, you know, just take your time it doesn't really matter what you do if you just do one beautiful thing rather than save the whole world. <laughs> rather than build the perfect monastery, maybe you could just uh you know, plant one rose bush or something like that, you know. And just so you take joy joy in the immediate beauty. Maybe you could just in sitting as a nun or a monk, that is already beautiful. You're already, you know, there in that you're already living out an aspiration You're already bringing beauty into the world You know So just also to give oneself the chance To so- to relax and soften into that So tranquility And uh, rapture Rapture is a sense of joy And tranquility The sense of Drinking that in and feeling satisfied. This is what leads to samadhi, which is the sixth. And then samadhi makes you much more equanimous because you, you can, your mind is steady, and the steadiness of the mind and the gathering in of these, uh, these energies means you become much more equanimous towards phenomena you know, towards comings and goings, because you've got a kind of stable center. The rest doesn't move you around so much. Phenomena don't move you around. Not so excited, not so bored, depressed, worried, just, you know, whatever it is, there's this. Equanimity, mm-hmm. These actually are things you, you come from, come from mindfulness, because they're they're occurring in, in that that domain, and we don't. So when we're looking to find uh, joy or rapture or you know or calm, mm-hmm. Could it be a way, not looking for it in the realm of tanha, which is this kind of thirsty charge, but you're looking at it from the place of chanda, which is the desire that moves in the transcendent realm. And it's that sense of aspiration, which means that aspiration also is chanda, is able to um, you know, supports mindfulness, which means you're able to bear in mind the nature of the transcendent realm to, to sense it. It's like a shift, isn't it? It's like stepping back, you might say. Suddenly you recognize, oh, there is this quality of presence of mind, mindfulness. There is a kind of firmness there. There is a sense of spaciousness. And it isn't uh, hungry. It's not driven, but it can move. It's not dragged onwards by in a compulsive way, but still we can we can steer it, we can move with it. So that's uh you know, using that sankaras on the more uh transcendent level still conditioned phenomena so calm which is a particular kind of intention, inclination which means where's the stillness now where's the place where it's more still and about steadying, calming stopping insight which is what is this which is more about What's this made of? What's it conditioned by? What's it about? So you get a whole kind of blur of thoughts and feelings. You know, actually, what 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 is this about? You might very well, you know, instead of well, it's because of this happened on Friday and this didn't work, and that, no, really, no. What's it really about? you know, or on in terms of liberation, this is about uncertainty, or it's about, you know, wanting things to happen that aren't happening, or it's about, you know, wish fulfillment. So we start to see actually in any scenario, memory, past, present or future, that our mind is presenting, there's two ways of looking at it. You can look at it in terms of, you know, how, how the thing works, and you look at it how, how you're handling it, what, it what, what is coming from your own jitta, your own um, mind base. Mindfulness is the one that turns us back to looking at how it's what's coming from our own mind base because it's what's this mean to me? What's this mean? What's the real meaning of this in terms of liberation? So, this is my you know, this particular energy you have, and maybe not even giving it a name but just feeling it sort of heat or tightness or blurriness or shakiness or you know, recoiling of some kind And you know, how we hold that breathe in and breathe out through that get some sensitivity towards these, these mental psych- phenomena that we have karmic habits that we have Insight isn't that easy, actually, you know, because it takes you, in a way, it's it takes you into some very compulsive territory. You know, it takes you into how you're moved, and it's that, uh, you know, rather than being going along with it, you're, you're stepping back from it and looking into it, and that's pretty difficult in some ways because. First of all, one, one, there's such a strong reflex to believe in oneself and one's mind, one's proliferations, because it, it gives you a sense of identity and solidity, even if it's not very pleasant. You know, it gives that stasis, that sense of, I am this. And you have to, something has to let go of that. Let go of that bhava, what one has become at least question it yeah. real wish to not keep being something to keep the story going story of one's and it's, it's, some of this is very embedded yeah. painful stories of wounding and pain So then, you know, the, the the widening, the softening, the spaciousness, the calming, to be with that, these raw pieces that get brought up. So insight is always, at least the Buddha's recommendation, it's always accompanied by a calming, soothing process as some of the um, inner structures of our karma get revealed. Mm. taking one's time with it, giving all the time in the world. Because everybody's been born. So we all, we all come out of a car crash, really. And <laughs> You know, in fact we came out of it. We didn't, you know, die in it, but we came out of a, of a that you came out of separation. You came out of a sense of being separated. You came into a world of of confusion and uncertainty. You came into a place of uh, what is blame and and rejection and uh, and discrimination and negativity and defilements. So there's plenty of dents (laughs) in the (laughs) bodywork, the car crash of life. So when you look at it, you know there's some pretty wincing uh, things you can see. But then the good doctor, you know, you're looking at it more like that rather than I am this. Why am I like this? Just oh, there's this. How, how am I? What's the right kind of attention with a infuriated piece or a feeling, you know, suppressed piece or a you know, what's the right kind of attention? So, so inquiry is about marshalling or bringing together the kind of supportive faculties, the kind of meditations, the kind of processes that help to, to you know, heal. And uh, whether one heals completely or not, at least you're in that very act of attending in that way. You're already sort of standing or from a transcendent position. You know, when you're trying to heal with something, you don't say, oh, oh, come on, hurry up and get well, stop being such a whinging mess, you know. No, that isn't healing, that healing is, it's not the right kind of energy, is it? Maybe it is, you know. What, what's necessary? And so this this is the whole process of inquiry, which is uh you know wisdom, discernment, discrimination, and is uh you know the the strong point, the strongest point in the Buddha's teaching, it's a wisdom teaching. There's calm, there's plenty of um concentration states, but these are, you know, liberation comes through wisdom. And, and calm is to be cultivated with wisdom. It's not separate from it. So that, uh, you know, it's seeing the possibilities of sankhara of formulating, of psychological activity, of dumber inquiry, of stepping back, of, you know, practicing. And then so that, you know, it means that uh, we get this sense of continual energised by that possibility. And then exactly the forms we use and the processes we use have to come through wisdom it arises. wisdom is engaged through Sankara it's that which makes it specific um, particular wisdom is the, is the thing that determines what kind of energy what kind of attention you're going to give things so it engages with Sankara Sankara engages with wisdom and these together start to see or discern the way out, the way which is the resolution of stress to the unconditioned.